Welcome to the Everyday Church Podcast. It's a show designed to talk about how God can use small church, ordinary church, everyday church. Your hosts are Barry Littleford and Jordan Dorsey, two small-time pastors who think about this stuff a lot. And we welcome you to today's show. All right, well, hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Everyday Church Podcast. It's good to be with you. That's good to be with you too. Oh, well, me and Barry have just come from a council meeting and probably the shortest one that we have had out at Malala. That is because you had an awesome chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. just kept you on track, basically. That's all it did because you bought an agenda that was like 150 articles long. I you, trimmed it down to 10. You did cut me down and you kept me going, which was good. But we are uh, here today and we're going to discuss a few different things. But first of all, thank you to all of you who are... Uh, liking and and sharing and being a part of our kind of social media community. Uh, It's been good. You would notice that we're now on on Instagram. We've got some photos there and it's good to see uh, some followers there tapping in. So there's various different ways that you can tap into the podcast and be a part of the discussion. Uh, Just a quick reminder that if you want to submit a topic, if you want us to discuss something, you've got a question for us, we have our email address, contact at openministries.net. Uh, you can check us out there. That would be outstanding, just so we can deliver content that is benefiting you the most, that's specific to what you're doing. We, that's what we want our podcast to be, a discussion that uh, just helps you lead better, really. And we want to do it in a way that actually is relevant to the everyday church. Well, we do. We do. And a shout out to Rowan, because he, he just liked our Facebook page just yes, then, just yesterday. Then. No yesterday. way. No and way. And so a, a shout out to Rowan. Oh. Good on you, mate. You've made a wise decision. <laughs> It's good to have you on board. Uh, look, look. We, we, let's get personal. You know, Ooh. I don't know who Rowan is. Yeah, obviously a great guy. Yeah, because he's chosen to uh, to hop on. He's board. invested his like really well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because everyone on Facebook invests their li- likes tremendously well. You would like a lot more specifically if you only had so many likes to give. That's true. Wouldn't that yeah. be interesting if you Ooh. only had a hundred likes? What would you like? What would you like? There'll be a few Ooh. things that will go off my like list <laughs> right now uh, if that was the case. What are we going to talk about today, Jordan? I don't know. Wrong topic. <laughs> I just open my iPad and Facebook looks different. I think we had an update. I'm, my, my mind is just thrown. Oh, it's a different dude. layer. It changes scary, Barry. That's not our topic today. That would have been cool if it was. It was. <laughs> our topic today is going to be about developing people. We like doing that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, a focus that we have to an extent. Um, and it's a focus that really every leader has to have, but you don't realize that you need to do it until you need someone to fill a position. And then once you've had that thought, you're already six months to a year too late mm. in developing a person for it. I mean, I mean, uh, John Maxwell back in the 90s when I was reading leadership books, I still read them occasionally now, <laughs> but, but back then I was reading them a lot. Uh, he said that a job of a leader is always to do yourself out of a job. Mm. Now, as a senior pastor or as a, a, a leader in the church, there are certain things that you're going to have to do yeah. that only you can do. But there's a whole lot of stuff that you don't. And if you ever want to see your church move forward, then it's about trying to invest in people and develop people in their gifts and skills so that they can take up um, roles and responsibilities within the life of the church and help the church grow uh, even in new areas, it's about developing people. But it's also about lightening your load yeah. so that you can have the headspace to dream what God might want to do inside yeah, that's uh, it. That's your church. Yeah, that's a great point. Yep. 
as a leader and as a pastor or as a minister, your job is to be lead visionary. You're meant to lead the path. You're meant to know what's coming next. You're the person that has the five-year plan before no one else asks about the five-year plan. And to do that, you've got to free up your, your, your ability to do that. You have to have a higher capacity, which means that you can't do everything. So I think a really key first step in discussing how to, um, how to develop people in the church that you're a part of is to figure out first, what are the essential jobs you as a leader have to do? What are the non-negotiables? What are your responsibilities? And what are the things that if you had it your way, you would love someone else to do them and someone else to be a part of them? Once you figure out what you have to do as a leader, that's important and crucial for your role, and perhaps what some people in the church deem is important for you to do, and then what are the things that you would love to see other people be empowered in? This isn't about being lazy, even though at times people might think you're being lazy if you keep giving jobs to other people, but what are the things that you can hand over, that you want to hand over, that you want to see someone else do for two reasons, so that someone else is empowered in that role and so that you are freed up to dream ahead for what's coming next. Now, straight here we fall, we have the potential to fall into a trap, Yeah, Geordie. And that is is that we actually think we're more needed than what we actually are. Certainly. As, as a key leader. Mm. And, and so our list of what we think is our responsibility can be huge yeah. when really it doesn't need to be that big. Now, I, I, I was uh, sitting with a, a group of United Church ministers a couple of years ago and I freaked them out because I said, uh, in the United Church, you have a, a list of duties of a minister, or yeah. responsibilities of a minister. When you become ordained, you promise to uphold these things. Yeah. And, and I said to this group, I said, I don't believe that it's my job to do every one of these duties. It is my job to make sure that every one of these duties is done. Mm, and wow. you can see about half a dozen ministers' minds <laughs> just explode in the room where they couldn't grab it. Because they said, it's not my job to do it all. It's my job to make sure the church is doing it yeah, all because wow. my job is to serve the church. Mm. And But I, I come across quite a few leaders who go, well, the, my list of things that uh, I need to do is comprehensive and I can't give any of it over because yeah. of their understanding of ordination maybe, their understanding of of uh, their gifts and skills and ministry. Mm. But from my point of view, and I don't have a high view of ordination, but my my point of view is the actual jobs that a minister needs to do is considerably small mm. within the life of the church. Mm. And, and really it does revolve around the things that you can do to help uh, the church move forward from a, the highest leadership position, mm. they are the essential things. Mm. Not the ceremonial things, not the things that uh, we uh, even get energy out of and delight in, but it's about those things that as a leader are, are up on the upper echelon that only we can do because we're in the leadership position. And that's a long process to figure that out. It is. Because even within myself right now, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if I'm doing jobs because I think I need to do them versus do I actually have to do them? A huge conversation point just there. Um, like I said, first step, maybe try and write a list of what you think is important, knowing that in that list there might be some th things that you have given too much importance to. Maybe see if you can give that list to a trusted colleague or a person in your team saying, what do you think? Help me discern What's a yes, that is a, a Jordan job. And then what is maybe that could be someone else's job in the future would be a great place to start. But then there's another stumbling block, 
what your congregation thinks mm. that you as a leader should be doing versus what you think you should be doing. Because I guarantee that if you form a really refined list of what you think you really should do as a leader, and remember, we're all doing this to find out how we can develop people into other roles. Let's not right. lose our, our train of thought. But as you develop that list, I guarantee there'll be so many congregation that thinks, no, that's your job. You need to be doing that. Barry, being a minister, me not being a minister, how have you overcome hurdles such as that? People's you, expectations. You can't. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean pe people are locked into a certain mindset and you can't. So, um, you know, we've got a couple of churches here, a couple of smaller ones, uh, uh, particularly this year, but in other years as well. I, I, I take someone who's learning how to lead worship mm. and I'll take them out to that church and they'll, I'll start with them with a prayer um, and then I'll bring them out and they, and they lead worship for the whole of the service and I just preach. Yeah. And uh, when I first got here, my, my wife used to do with it. I don't enjoy doing the whole <laughs> worship service. Yeah. I, get, I get sick of my own voice. Mm. And so I gather that other people will as well. No, never. And, <laughs> and, so, um, uh, and, and so quite often in, the, in those smaller churches, I go, well, what are we paying you for, Barry, if you just come out here and just preach and and my common response to them well it's because i'm developing other people because i want people to use their gifts and skills mm. because i want them i mean how do you become a minister like me or probably better than me um and unless someone gave you an opportunity way back in like they gave to me mm. and continue to invest and give opportunity even though i wasn't ordained to get to the point where i heard the call of god and believed that I could be ordained. And you handed that generosity on to me. I, I went out to a yep. couple of our smaller churches and did a prayer. And that gave me the kind of encouragement and experience to, like you said, hear the call, see where God's taken you and go from there. So I've been doing that for 10 years. Mm. And I have that conversation every time I hear it out there <laughs> and I still get the conversation. So it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away because there are some people who just believe uh, that... Um, that's what the minister should do. And it's the same with pastoral care. I've palmed off the majority of the pastoral care uh, in this parish to different people or different groups or different structures to mm -hmm. do, unless there's a crisis. Crisis, I'm there yeah. in an instant. That's fine. But the everyday-to-day -day pastoral care, uh, I've palmed off. Mm. And, and, and But you still get those people that go, well, I've never been visited by the minister, <laughs> so I've never been visited by the church even though they've had six or seven visits yeah. from four or five different people from within the congregation who have prayed for them and encouraged them mm. in whatever situation they're going through, the minister hasn't visited. Mm, yeah, well, what a challenge. But obviously it comes down to having a bit of a confidence as a leader that you're doing what you're called to do um, so that when those, <laughs> those harsh conversations come, one, it's not going to hurt you, and two, you have a, a, an appropriate and well-calculated response to that person as mm -hmm. well. So there's a couple of things, Jordy, if you want to go down this track. And I think if, if you want to grow a church, you have to go down this track. But mm. I think you have an option. Um, people don't just come fully formed and fully developed. You've got to give opportunity. You've got to invest. You've got to instruct. You've mm. got to do all that. Now, I listen to ministers of old. Uh, about how they got started. So I'm talking about people who got ordained in the Methodist Church yeah, well. <laughs> before even the United Church came into being. And they will talk about ministers 
who came alongside of them, saw that they had potential and invested in them in a significant way until they thought that they could go on and wow. be ordained. So this is not new, yeah. but for some reason over the last 20 years, particularly in the United Church, we've got this position where you have to go to training and be trained in everything before you get given opportunity. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the death nails of the United Church. Mm. It's because instead of giving people opportunity and say, okay, you look like you've got skills and graces in this, would you think that extra training will help? Mm. We've gone, no, you've got to you've got to tick all these boxes before we even let you have a go. Yeah, wow. And to me, that's just stupid way of doing leadership. It certainly slows down an already slow moving church. <laughs> and And what it does is it doesn't allow the next generation to come through. And it means that, God forbid, something went wrong, Barry, you left the church, the church is in a very unhealthy, very vulnerable state. But if you spend 10 years building people up, it means that you're not the cornerstone of the church. You're not the thing that keeps it standing, but actually it's the people that are being developed over time. Yep. Obviously in mind, Jesus is the cornerstone, and, and bad if, metaphor. And if, you're, <laughs> and if you're a minister with an ego, mm. where you love the fact that everything that happens in the church revolves around you mm. or you're an insecure minister or a minister that feels that you've got to have a finger in absolutely every pie you will struggle with this yeah because developing people is messy it is incredibly messy mm. and you're going to have people go well those young people they need more training well of course they do that's why we're giving them opportunity <laughs> so they can do it so stop whinging about the fact that they need more training and why don't you go alongside of them yeah. and oh. say can i help you but they don't think of that because no. they're locked in that old thing that they've got to that you've got to be trained before you can be developed, and yeah. that's just crazy. It's 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 kind of breaking new ground. We're really not. It's no, it's it's, re it's revisiting old ground, yeah, but somehow it gets forgotten in in the in the drive to be a successful church, in the drive to do things well, to be slick and polished, which we all desire. That we want to be the best representation of Jesus in our communities that we can. But to do that over a long period of time means that you're going to have some seasons where people have to try. They have to fail and you need to be as a leader, the janitor that kind of mops up at the end. Yeah. And you've mopped up for me probably too many times and you needed well, to. Well, well not, not at all. I did have to mop up out of you. I'm not going to lie about that. But, <laughs> and, and some significant mopping, uh, if I remember rightly. But that, but if you, if you go into this thinking that oh my gosh, I'm cleaning up again, mm. and that's your mentality, then you're in the wrong game. Yeah. Uh, the mentality is, isn't it great that people are prepared to use their gifts and muck up? And if that means that I have to go alongside of them and mop up a bit afterwards or mop up a lot, that's okay as long as they're learning and growing and developing. Yeah. I learned more in, in the mistakes that I've made than I have yeah. in the successes, yeah. and most people do. And if we're afraid to allow people to make mistakes, then we're not. So, mm. for instance, Geordie, that's uh, why we uh, here do uh, preaching the way that we do. Mm. So we, we have a group every Tuesday night that gets together and, uh, and we do the exegesis of a sermon two weeks in advance. And anyone who wants to preach <coughs> in Gula has to go through, has to do that pre preparation. Mm. Now, there's a couple of things that happen. If you are a wannabe preacher, the first environment that you're immersed in is the exegetical environment. Before yeah. you even learn how to preach, you're learning in a group situation how to pull apart scripture. Mm. Now that develops you in your own reading. 
It develops you in, in how you communicate the scriptures with others. And if God willing, God wants you to preach, it, it enables the, really the hardest work of preaching to be done. Yeah, yeah. But it also, you hear other voices and other opinions coming in. And so when you are preaching here, you've got a kind of a collective group. Yeah. And, and I didn't think this up. This is something that I got, uh, I picked up from the States where a lot of these big churches that you see in the States, they have focus groups where the yeah. minister comes and preaches to the group and then they give them feedback about the things that have hit and yeah, haven't hit. Yeah, wow. And, uh, and the, one, of the, uh, one of the, I think it was uh, uh, Rochelle, who, who basically said, it doesn't matter if you've got paid staff or unpaid staff, get a group of people around you mm. who can input into your preaching. Yeah, wow. And I just ran with that and thought, that's not just good for me, that's good for developing future preachers as well. Wow, yeah. And so, you know, after a while, with a structure, we let people uh, preach. Now, mm. I've got to give up my pulpit to let other people preach. So for you to become a good preacher, Jordy, and I think you are, um, you know, I had to give up my pulpit. I had to give you opportunity to let you do that. I had mm. to train you. I had to make this group happen mm. to develop you in such a way. And you know, until now, you're pretty slack with the preaching prep group. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's honest, yeah. But we got we got the next generation uh, coming through. A bunch of young mums who are looking at it, which mm. I'm really excited about. Yeah, and they're down. Some of them are down for this roster coming. This roster coming. How exciting, exciting is that? Yeah. You know, and 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 are they going to preach good sermons? I don't know, but I'm going to give them every opportunity to preach a good sermon. Yeah, yeah. But I, um, but I know this. My first sermon was terrible. Mine was pretty average too. I don't remember yours at all. You were sick. I filled in. Oh, okay. So there you go. I remember. Um, but it is about that giving opportunity, preparing to let people develop. That mm. is the crucial thing in developing people. Yeah. Well, I think you've touched on a few things here. One is that you've allowed there to be... So you, first, of course, you figure out that it's not just your job to preach. That's right. And that you can translate that leaders into, into pastoral care, into... Uh, anything else within the life of the church. But if we look at preaching as an example, you said, okay, it's not just my job to preach. I want to develop other preachers in. One, I get to preach less. I might get a weekend off. That's awesome. And then you took a couple of step backwards. How can I develop people in their ability to preach? Does that mean I'm going to give them a mic and say, give it a whirl? Probably not. No. There's steps before that. Not everyone's cool to preach. You kind of do a bit of refining and you develop a bit of a group. And I think that leaders, we're high capacity people. We can think about what kind of a group, what kind of a mentoring program can allow people to be the best pastoral care visitors in our church or the best preachers within our church. But then there's another layer there as well. Then actually when the people have been developed to an extent, giving up a bit of your responsibility for someone else. And there I'm, I'm hearing pastors' voices and their kind of hearts fluttering at this. That's the hard bit because I know for myself that if, when I give up a responsibility for someone else, they're never going to be able to do it immediately the way I do it. Not the way I like it. The quality, as rough as it sounds, will go down for a season. Considerably. Talk about that tension, Baz, because I, I think even in the small roles I'm doing at Malala, I would find that hard. Yeah, it, it is because, uh, I mean, as a pastor, you don't think anyone really can preach as well as you can. <laughs> yeah, I it's mean, a part of our ego, yeah. To, well, and a part of the sense of God's calling you in that place to preach at that time or yeah. to care at that time. Um, so, so there is a sacrifice, but I think it's about encouraging the congregation to see mm. um, that you um, 
that this is the journey that you're on on developing people and mm. developing people means we need to give space and I find most of the time that people are pretty generous with that there is always some who will do the side comments like you know it, it it's like the the people that always like me to wear a tie in church and <laughs> and so every time I do they make a special comment of how nice it is that I have yeah and so every time that you give someone an opportunity say to preach they'll come up and say well it wasn't you was it you know and so <laughs> so you've got to be a couple bit, bit sensible one is is that you don't want to have a long space without you you, you yeah. still want them yeah. to have you doing some things mm. until the person gets up to a level where they can you know they're getting close to where you want them to be yeah, yeah. and then you can you can insert them instead of you into that space now as a minister i never want to give up preaching mm. i love preaching um but uh but making space making room mm. we're just going to teach the congregation that we are developing these people they'll get better over time um, love them, encourage them, support them because yeah. they're the future of the church. And I think that's that's the key point there. They are the future. I know for myself, and I, know, I think you'd be the same, I never want to have such a reputation that I'm loved and adored by a church that when they speak of me 10 years from now, say, oh my goodness, he was amazing, but then nothing happened after he left. Mm. That, for me, is just shattering. I, I want to be a leader, and I'm sure everyone listening in wants to be a leader, that long after they're gone, whether dead or somewhere else, that the remnant of their ministry of what God did through them continues on through how they develop people. I think that's crucial. And I think today, I hope that this has encouraged you to one, start that really hard list of refinement. What are the jobs that you need as a pastor to do? Not that you want to do, what are you called to do within your church? And then with the rest of the roles, how can you go three step backwards develop a group, develop a mentoring structure where you can develop people in so that they can fill those roles, knowing of course the quality will take time to increase and to become a level that you would really love to see happen within the church. But how can you start those steps today? Because I guarantee you when you need it, when you need someone to fill a role, you're already six months to a year behind where you need to start developing people. So we've got to start today to bless the ministry a year from now. And, and, you, and I don't believe you can grow a church without putting this yeah. in motion without developing people within. I've been doing it for over 10 years um, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's hard work <laughs> and, you, and you, it, it takes time mm. and you've got to be prepared to sacrifice the time now to free you up in the time in the future. Yeah. And, um, and, and if you ever want to multiply ministry within your church, then you need the leaders. God's not just going to drop leaders in your lap that <laughs> other people have developed you know, you don't always, you know, you got to reap what you sow. Yeah, yeah. So if you sow into people, then your church will reap a harvest down the line. That's awesome. So I hope you, you hear the call today. It's time to do yourself out of the job. Work hard at developing those that are showing potential. Create the groups, have the conversations, write the lists, because it's going to bless your church that you're a part of years into the future. So I hope it's been an encouraging discussion for you today. I hope that you can take this to your staff teams, take this to your volunteers, discuss how you as a church can develop those that are showing potential in different areas. Um, if you've appreciated today's podcast, uh, please share it around. I'm sure you can think of someone now that needs to hear this conversation. This isn't really um, golden content. It's just a reminder that this is what we have to do as leaders, and I hope you found it encouraging. So until next time, um, we'll see you around. See you later. 
Thanks for listening to the Everyday Church podcast, where we seek to be a help to the everyday church. Our show notes can be found at openministries.net, and you can also become interactive by liking the Everyday Church podcast Facebook page. We trust that you've enjoyed today's show.